Hey everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended. I am Chris Bryant and I am back as always with Tara Scott. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 19. We are so glad to have you all joining us. We want to start by giving a real quick shout out to Joanna, who since the last episode supported us through Kofi, and she shared the comment, thank you for putting out this content. Joanna, we are so glad that you enjoy it, and thank you so, so much. Definitely. Thank you. For anybody who's maybe joining us for the first time or who just doesn't know what Kofi is, it's a site where you can financially support your favorite content creators like us, and we are so grateful because it keeps everything moving so that we can continue to put this content out there. And... It's listener question time. And we actually got a lot of questions this time. So we're only going to answer, we only have time to answer a few, and we're going to rotate and put the uh, questions that we don't get to today to our next episode. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Eurific asked a question for the both of you Fuck, Mary, kill. Take your picks from the cast of the L word. So, and we could pick either or, either the original. Or the uh, Generation Q. And so I actually have a list for both. And I have not watched Generation Q. So I only have a list for the original. And also <laughs> I'm going to have to go based off of like incredibly hazy memories. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> well, and not only was it a long time ago, I watched, I think I only made it two and a half seasons maybe three seasons i didn't watch all of it but when i did watch it it was uh the first two weeks after my first daughter was born and i was watching it in the middle of the night (laughs) so i was like nursing or pumping or whatever and so it's like my brain was not there but it was kind of the perfect show for that like i have i can't put a lot of thinking into this i was like oh what's going on with all these people. So yes, I have a list based on what I sort of remember from almost 10 years yes, ago. Share! Share with us. Okay, so let's start with Kill. And I I mean, I feel like this is everybody's answer. And if it's no. not, it probably no. should. It's not? It's not. Go ahead, answer it. You oh my answer God. it, and then I'll answer it. It's Jenny Schechter. <laughs> She's the fucking worst. I can't. I could not. And I mean, I don't know anybody. That loved Jenny. She was terrible. And then I feel like, so for fuck, I feel like Shane is the easiest answer. And there would have been a, a lot of people would have chosen her. Come on. No. A lot of straight Come women on. would have chosen her. Really? How are we friends? How do we have a completely <laughs> different not, list? I'm not choosing Shane. Oh, you're I'm, not choosing Shane. Okay. No, I'm not choosing Shane because I, I think she, it's almost too easy as an answer if it's right. Shane. And so yeah. I was going through and looking, and I was Jenny. like, aha, what? How dare you? <laughs> I said, Jenny is an easy answer for the kill. Oh. So, but I didn't go with Jenny. But go ahead. Go ahead. We're talking about you. Uh, so I think Helena Peabody is my choice for fuck, because I, I applaud that. pretty fantastic. And then Mary was hard. Don't take mine. That was difficult. Don't you take mine. <laughs> I can't remember who you said yours was going to be. I mean, I, like, Bet is tempting because Jennifer Beals is gorgeous, but I can't forget that True. she cheats. And so, and now I'm probably going to name somebody who has something weird in her background that I never got to because I didn't finish the series. Yes. But I'm going to go it. with Alice, who was Alice. lovely in the part of the series that I saw. <laughs> yeah. Did she do horrible shit later? 
Well, okay, so let's let's talk about my lists now. Yes, let's and talk we'll about your list. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. So, because Alice hits one of my lists too. Oh no. Ooh. Okay, so from the original cast, yes, like Bet is like powerhouse everything, but I look at like she's a size zero. I would totally crush her in bed, <laughs> and I need her to be the top. Uh huh. So that's I, I can't like Bet and Shane. They're about the same size. They're yeah. little tiny. They're tiny. tiny. I can't do tiny. So I'm with you on the fucking Helena Peabody. Yeah. There. 100%. Good job. Yeah. So you. to Mary, though, Mary uh-huh. is for sure Carmen. Who's that? Oh, she's in my top. She's in my top. Excuse me while I scroll through IMDb. <laughs> and to kill, I think a lot of people are going to be with me on this one. And they And it's not somebody that's really on their radar. But once I say it, it's going to be like... Boom, mind-blowing. Okay. Ready? Ready? Yeah, Tina. Tina. I fucking hated Tina. I hated okay. her then, and I hate her in the second uh, the second season. Did she get worse? Because she wasn't oh, awful. Gosh. I don't remember she, her being awful. She's just so whiny, and, like, and everybody, like, catered to her, and she was just so, so wine, wine, poor me, wine, wine, poor me. And, yes, mm. I'm sorry. I get that there was an affair, but... Even before and, and after and during the affair, she was just not a very likable person. Like, she would, I, I would have divorced her before the affair. Like, mm-hmm. she certainly. Well, she yeah. was too whiny. Yeah. So, that's the original cast. So, here's okay. my new cast. Okay. So, fuck. Everybody's going to hate me on this one. They're going to hate me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say Sophie. I Whoa. I don't know. I know. You have, you have not. I don't know who you're talking about. Just Flipped me off because I said Sophie to fuck. But, but here's the good one. You know what? Sophie's just like, she's like, just, just oozes sexuality. I mean, she's just, she's well, why is everybody going to hate you for that? Because she actually had an affair with Finn, who everybody wants me to kill, but that's not who my kill person is. So, so it was this whole thing, and Sophie and Danny were engaged, and on the day of their wedding, this has already happened, so, I mean... For sure, if you are going to watch this and you haven't started this season, then you need to, like, fast forward because I'm about ready to give some stuff away. So, wedding day. They're up there. Sophie and Danny are up there. They're getting ready to do their vows. And they're like, "Mm, I love you. No, I love you. I love you. And so then all of a sudden, Finn, who used to work with Sophie and worked for Alice, rushes in with her backpack and is like, I love you, Sophie. I love you. And I think you love me too. Oh. Like, and so then like all hell breaks loose. So anyway, Mary, I would totally marry Danny. Like hundred percent my type right there, right there. A little mm-hmm. young for me, but I'm just saying in this question, she for sure would be my Mary okay. and my kill. Here's my kill. This is another reason why people Wait, will hate me. Is it also, is it, is it still... <laughs> It's not Tina. It's not Tina. Because <laughs> I'm tempted. Like, Tina and Rosie O'Donnell. I know, right? There, there are a couple in this news. What? Series. I know! Did I just give way too much away? Oh, I don't know. It's been out for a while. It's been out. It's out. It's, it's, it's ongoing. So, But I could do without that relationship. It's not believable to me. Wait, are I you killing Rosie it. O'Donnell? No, I'm not killing oh, her. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm going to kill... 
Alice. Alice <gasps> is just annoying to me. Oh, no. I'm going to kill Alice. I'm sorry. Oh, no. I'm I feel sorry. like I chose the wrong person. Well, she was so she's sweet just... in the first couple seasons. She, you know what? She makes me laugh. There are some times when she makes me laugh. But but she was annoying in the first se- the first go around and she's annoying in this one too and so i just i feel like out of all the options she's the best for me on that one to kill for the new season i don't feel like there are great options for mary in the original cast because even like i'm looking at the list again and i'm like oh maybe dana no doesn't dana get weird too okay i'm not even gonna ruin it for you on that one i'm just not gonna marry (laughs) anybody unless you want to (laughs) know Um, yeah, so we're we're just going to go. Are you ever going to watch this, these, any of these? I mean, if I do, I'll forget by then. Okay. Are you sure? This is a big one. This is a big spoiler. Yeah, go for it. <sighs> okay. So anyway, if you pick Dana, I just want you to know that um, she dies. Oh, yeah. See, you can't pick that. So That's yeah. terrible. I should have married yeah. Helena Peabody. That's what I should <gasps> Too late. Oh, well, I guess you can't. No, I'm going to marry Helena Peabody. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. And go All with right, the easy enough. answer and bang Shane. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I don't know. <laughs> That's all right. Okay, we have spent way too much time on this. One. So, But it was a fun question. I really enjoyed that because it's yeah. a question that, you know, yeah, we don't get a lot of this. So that was fun. Okay, yeah. and then we got another question by Alexandra Hawkins. Chris, if you could, if you couldn't write this genre, romance, lesbian fiction, what genre would you write? And a hundred percent, I would write young adult dystopian or dystopian young adult. And you know this, mm-hmm. you and I have talked about I this. Do. So I kind of have this uh, idea for a for a a, mo- a movie. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. For a book, and at some point in my life, I plan to write it, and it is exactly that. And there doesn't necessarily have to be queer characters, but I probably for sure will add some. Mm-hmm. But I feel like this uh, has potential to be something. It does. And we're going to leave all these poor listeners hanging that are probably like, <gasps> what is it? I know. But, okay. <laughs> sorry, pals. You can't hear nope. it because Chris has to write it still. <laughs> That's true. But we did have an in-depth conversation about it. So at yeah. least you know that it's still in my head and it's it's percolating. All right. I am still, I'm looking forward to seeing that one when it turns out someday. Yay. So Chris, what have you been watching or reading? Okay. So we all know that whenever I have deadlines, I have the TV on 24 seven and I have the DVR is recording everything that I can't see live. So uh, first of all, alone is over. Hooray. Did they all die or did somebody win? (laughs) So, okay. So I was really disappointed with the ending. Why? Because they show in the last episode, they show three people. Three Mm -hmm. people and then one person, you know, can't. They pulled somebody for medical reasons. Okay. Okay. So they pulled, I don't know. Can I give shit away? I don't know enough about this show. Okay. Well, is it it like, do, do people go back and watch it? Or do they, is it kind of like everybody watches it as it comes out? The big moment is over. I think everybody watches as it comes out. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll be a big surprise. So again, if you don't want to, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to have a spoiler, then fast forward. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it was down to three people. A woman named Teresa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Biko was 
uh, is a man who he's 29 years old. He's great. He like mm-hmm. plays kind of grungy music and he's like a construction worker and tries to do everything he can to make money for his family and his wife is pregnant with twins and he was just so low-key very cool and i was rooting for him Mm -hmm. so he ended up being the runner-up oh and yeah so uh the guy who won was um you know he did great and everything it's just i'm tired of you know the typical this sounds horrible but you know the the I don't know, like Midwest hunter, you know, truck toting, gun toting, mm. American type person, you know, who wins this. And and I just, you know, is that horrible to say? That's bad to say. I don't know, man. It's your neighbors. <laughs> They're my neighbors. I know for sure. I mean, he did a really good job. It's just, I don't, I mean, they should have pulled him. So what they do is medical comes in and they do checks on mm-hmm. them. And so they pulled Teresa because she, she did lose a lot of weight. She was like 120 pounds and she dropped down to 94. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So Biko was like, I told you this, we talked about it last time. He gained 45 pounds, then lost 70. And then he was down 90 pounds. Oh, my and God. And so, so they pulled him for medical reasons, too. And the other guy, the guy who actually won... He, I'm trying to think, he lost a lot of, he had no fat on him. Like, he was all skin and bones, too. Oh, my goodness. So, I I just feel like, I'm kind of getting to the point where uh, I feel like it's it's not really, it might be staged. I don't know. I mean, I mean, I all like reality the shows winner. are. Yeah, yeah, so I think they picked the winner ahead of time. Because last season, there was a girl, like, she was, like, good to go. She was like, I got this. Mm-hmm. And she was ice fishing, and they pulled her, and so the guy, a guy won. Oh, surprise. So I don't know. I just, I was not happy with, I really wanted Biko to win. He mm-hmm. was such a cool cat. Just, I, I just really liked him, but it didn't happen. So anyway, I'm done with that. Mm-hmm. Because The Walking Dead has started. The final <sighs> season has started. And so I am now watching that. How's that? I'm sad. Because mm-hmm. it is the last, it is the last season, and uh, but I know that they're going to make movies, but still, mm-hmm. you know, it's a waiting game, and I hate waiting. It's not my thing. Yeah, that's fair. So, so, and that's why I am also watching the Great British Bake Off. Mm-hmm. I think that's great to have in the background as I'm writing. So I just blew through season six. I love that show. It's, so uh, I think the thing that I love about that show, and also there's a Canadian version, um, which I also love, the great Canadian baking show. Um, I don't know if they have it on your Netflix or not. It's um, produced by CBC. The first two seasons has Dan Levy as a host. Oh, cool. Yeah, and he's lovely. The third season has two of the women from... I can never... Oh, Baroness Von Sketch, which is a hilarious sketch comedy show out of Toronto. That's all women. Like, if you get a chance to watch it, it's very funny. (laughs) But, like, they were okay as hosts. And now the new hosts are two people I've never heard of before because they're from, like, Second City, I think, also in Toronto. But they're so good. And the thing that I love about all of the, like, all of the Great British or Great Canadian or whatever, all those baking shows... Is that like, yes, it's competitive and everybody wants to win, but also so often you see like 
I'm actually done. How can I help you? Like contestants right. really building relationships and being helpful. And it's like, you know, the world sucks and it sucks like a lot in a number of really difficult ways. But then you watch a show like that and you just think it's kind of nice sometimes when uh, people help each other and yeah. there's delicious food. So Right. So here's what this is bad. I'm going to admit this. I And I hate this because it's kind of like reading the last page of a book first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there was one contestant that I just was so annoyed with in this mm -hmm. season. Besides, she couldn't blend her makeup, so I have issues with that too. <laughs> but I had to make sure she didn't win because I didn't want to waste 10 hours of my life. Sure. And then she wins. So I, I cheated and I Googled the winner. And did she, is she the winner? I'm not going to tell you anything because you're blowing through those. So I'm not telling you anything. It's going to take, it's going to take me a while. I was telling Chris before we started recording this, that I've actually gone back to the beginning, but this is my, like, I watch it when I'm having lunch at my desk. Like I don't, I'm not watching it through like kind of all the time because it's just kind of a nice when things are, again, when things are stressful at work mm -hmm. and then you take a little break at lunch and you're like, Ooh, look at them baking their bread. Yeah. Oh, their little know. tarts look delicious. Like it's just, it's the perfect bomb for any day. You know, and now I'm following some of them on Twitter and mm -hmm. they're the prize, the grand prize is mm -hmm. like a bouquet of flowers and a cake stand. That's it. There's no money. I it's think there are rules to contest shows in the UK because oh. it's the same thing. Actually, if you look at RuPaul's Drag Race in the US, contestants that win and I think it's kind of no matter if it's like regular season or all stars, like they win a hundred thousand dollars. And then in Australia, I can't remember how much they won for Drag Race Down Under, but they won money. And then in Canada, I believe they also won money. And then in the UK, they don't win money. They win a badge, like a little pin that they can put <laughs> on there. And then they talk about kind of the distinction of that. So I actually think it's, I think it's a law in Britain. It's not, oh. um, yeah, it's very strange to me. If there are any British listeners who understands how this works and feels like emailing us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. We want to know. We want to know. And clearly we're too lazy to do the searching. <laughs> right. I mean, I guess we could Google it, but we could. Um, it's nice to have people reach out and chat. It's nice to have a conversation going. So I agree. We'll leave it up to the listeners. To <laughs> us. <laughs> uh, let's see. And the last, and of course I'm watching the L word generation Q. I'm going mm -hmm. through it with everybody. So we're on this journey together. So what about you, Tara? What have you been reading and watching or playing? Well, speaking of RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> All-Stars <laughs> season six. Uh, yes, I am still watching that religiously. I would say at this point, watching RuPaul's Drag Race is the only thing I do religiously. <laughs> And all season long, as contestants have been um, packing up their stuff and they're about to leave the workroom, every episode, RuPaul pops up on the screen and says, hey, drag queen name, this season there's a game within the game. Do you want to play? And so all season, everybody's been saying, okay, what is this game within a game? When are we going to find out what it is? And they even got all the way down to only having four contestants left. They have their top four. Well. The game within a game was revealed. And I have to say, I really, really liked how they did it. So typically on All-Stars, there's always some kind of a way for a contestant to make their way back on. Right. And it's usually like 
they'll pit all the eliminated queens versus all the queens that are still in play and they'll do some sort of a competition thing so that like an eliminated queen can come back and one of the current queens has to leave but again like i said they got they they got from like can't remember how many they started with if it was like 12 or something like that but they got all the way down to four so to me that kind of a structure didn't make sense and it turns out what they've been doing all along in the background is lip sync battles and so they took the first two eliminated queens and they had to lip sync against each other and then the one who went on uh the one who won went on to do the next lip sync battle against whoever with the new eliminated and so on and so forth it was spectacular and there actually ended up being one queen silky nutmeg ganache who because she was the third one eliminated she made it all the way to the end nice nice and it's like she (laughs) she had some incredible gags that she did like with props and stuff so the first time she lip synced she did it to the song uh girls just want to have fun by cindy lopper and as she's doing her thing and she's up against uh jiggly caliente who did fine like she was okay but like (laughs) Looking at my ganache, starts as she's singing. She starts pulling things out of her cleavage, and she pulls out like a tumbler glass, and then she pulls out a little baggie <laughs> of ice, and then she pulls out some kind of like juice or soda or something like that, and then she pulls out a bottle of Crown Royal, <laughs> mixes herself a drink, starts drinking it, and has her hand continue doing the lip sync for her in time to the lyrics. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Oh, or that's excellent. the one that you can actually see, anybody can go look for this on YouTube, but because uh, they put it on the RuPaul's Drag Race YouTube channel. So she showed up for one of the lip syncs. It was supposed to be against Acaria C. Davenport, who basically just said, nah, I'm not doing it. I've done all I need to do here. I don't want to risk getting my heart broken again. And Silky said... Here's the thing. I take this really seriously. And I really feel like if I get to that end, I want to feel like I've earned it all the way. To me, this is like any maxi challenge. I want to do the lip sync. And RuPaul said, all right, what the hell? Go for it. And it's to, you know, queer anthem Barbie girl. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, when she came out, she had her face covered. And this like lime green to the floor, some kind of a jacket. And when the music starts, she pulls the thing off of her face and she's to the side and she's singing to it and starts opening the jacket. And then as soon as the the, because it's a, a song with two parts, right? Like there's the girl singing and then there's the man. And then as soon as the man goes, she turns around and it's a half and half costume. <laughs> so she has like a man on one half and a woman on the other half. And so it, this whole thing is her turning back and forth the whole time. It's just it. I was howling. It was it so <laughs> funny. I don't think I've ever seen RuPaul laugh that hard at a lip sync in the whole history of the entire show. Like it just gave me so much life. I ended up showing it to one of my kids later who thought it was the greatest thing ever and demanded to watch it again two more times in a row. Um, So yeah, again, All-Stars season six might be my favorite All-Stars season, which I know can be controversial, but 
I don't know, the the challenges have been really interesting. The contestants have actually gelled really well together. I enjoyed all the previous ones too, but this one is just really doing it for me. And then in terms of what I've been playing, there's a new game that came out that as soon as it was announced, I don't actually think they had, um, if they did have a lot of pre-promo, I entirely missed it. I know there was a Kickstarter for it that I completely missed. But I had three people reach out to me and say, hey, you're going to want to play this game. And I was like, okay, I get it. Uh, And it's called Boyfriend Dungeon. I played it on my Switch. I believe it's available on Steam. I know it's on Game Pass for the Xbox. Uh, And if it's there, I'm guessing it's probably on PlayStation, but I don't know for sure. And I'm sorry if that's not true. It comes out of an indie studio called Kit Fox Games, who I've never heard of before, but I hope get all good things because I had a lot of fun playing it. Boyfriend Dungeon is a game that has like two genres in one. It is like a dating sim and a dungeon crawler. And the idea is that as you're kind of going through and crawling dungeons, you find weapons and these weapons are also people. So there are people that can shapeshift into weapons that have special powers, but also you can date all of them. (laughs) I'm going to date my axe. The axe is the only one you can't actually date in this (laughs) game, which is so funny. Well, and I was looking forward to dating him because he's this like really big, sweet, beefy dude that to me looks like a reject from Dream Daddy. He just like so reminds me of the fat dad in Dream Daddy, which also is a queer game that if you have not played it, you should play that game. And we could talk about that more in a future episode if anybody wants to hear more about it. But in this case, you start off with a sword who is uh, Isaac and he's black and has kind of a bad relationship with his dad, who's a total asshole. But Isaac has started his own organization basically for wealth redistribution, which is pretty cool. Like it's a very it's a very socially aware game. And then the next one you find is. I think it's the dagger. Well, there's you basically get three kind of right at the beginning. And then one. uh, so one of them is a dagger. Her name is Valeria. Uh, She is an artist. She is kind of like cynical and kind of like um, she looks like somebody who would have been a really big fan of the grunge movement (laughs) in the 90s. Uh, She's pretty cool. And then there's also uh, Sunder. He's some kind of um, kind of sword is he? A scimitar, I think. And then along the way, you find like a lightsaber that's actually also a K-pop star. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And a scythe that's also a non-binary magic user. Uh, And because they're non-binary, I don't... I don't... What's... What is the gender neutral word for like a witch or a wizard or whatever? I don't know if there is one. Is like magician? Will that cover it? No, because this is more... Right? Spells and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, wizardly witch. Mm-hmm. A witchy wizard. Yeah, I don't know. There's also a cat that is brass knuckles. <laughs> you cannot <laughs> date the cat, also. You what? can make friends with the cat. Okay. Like, the cat will love you as, like, an interaction between a pet and it, but it's not, you huh, cannot yeah. have a romantic relationship with the cat, <laughs> just for the record. Or the axe. I'm out. <laughs> or the axe, which is disappointing, but I hope is indicative of a future expansion pack. 
And so some of the things that I liked about it is just like, again, how inclusive it is there, you know, there are people of color in the main cast there, you know, there's a woman, there's men, there are non-binary characters. There's actually more than one non-binary character. There's another one, Sawyer, who is, what kind of weapon is Sawyer? I can't remember. So like, do you just say like, like a one or twin powers activate, turn into your dagger, turn in, how do you get them to be the weapon? So you meet up at a dungeon and then you, um, when you get there, you choose shape which shift. weapon you're taking into the dungeon and then they're automatically in that shape. But then when you're in there, so the one dungeon is actually the local mall and you're fighting. It's interesting. The monsters that you're fighting, they say is a manifestation of your own personal fears. And so you have a fear of connection and that's, oh shit, I forget what all those things are. <laughs> wow. So I've been more focused on like the dating side of it. The fighting is still fun and it's fine. And you get materials that you can use to craft clothing and then gifts that you give to the people that you're dating and whatever. The other things that I actually really like about the gameplay is um, some choices that they've made, again, to build in more inclusivity. And the first thing, there there are kind of three things there. The first is that they actually have a content warning. And the content warning says, uh, this game may include references to unwanted advances, stalking, and other forms of emotional manipulation. Play with care. And so I like that that gives people a choice uh, whether they actually want to engage or not. The next, the the thing that comes up immediately after that is they say something about how like there are a lot of text messages in this game. Um, and actually some of the text messages come from a character called Mom. If you would prefer not to receive those, let us know now and you don't have to receive them. And I thought that was a really yeah. cool choice, knowing that so many people have really fraught relationships with parents and maybe they don't want to be reminded of a parental relationship, even if it is one that is very supportive. And good. And so I thought that was a good choice. And then the other one is that when you're choosing your clothes to go out in, they actually have an, uh, they have options for hats, but they also have an option for a turban. And then they have an option for a head covering for women. And you can change your gender at any point. Like you can change your name at any point. You can change your gender in the options there are, it's pronoun based. So you can choose between he, him, she, her, they, them. You never get locked into any of it. You can change your hairstyle at any point. You can change your eye shape at any point. Like, I thought it was a really cool... And as I've been playing, I do shift the gender here and there just because to see. And it's really cool to see how all the characters just kind of roll with those choices. And so I've had a lot of fun with that. But then I thought, maybe you and I could talk about some of the controversy okay, that has sure. come up about this game. Because I know you haven't played... But I feel... When I played video games, it's like you played to get to the end. There was no, I'm going to change into, you know, a suit and tie, and I'm going to drink a martini with this mm -hmm. dagger. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's it was just like, I'm yeah. fighting, I'm getting to the end, and that's it. Like yeah. so, so this sounds a lot more engaging, more time-consuming, maybe, but on, a, but on a pleasurable level. It is. But the thing that I find a little sad, and I kind of understand it to a certain extent, um, but there's been a lot of controversy around that content warning. Because there is stalking in the game, for sure. There's a character called Eric, who is a total Eric. creep. And yeah, he owns a weapon store, and he believes that forged weapons are better than these weapon-human hybrids. And the way he talks about that comes across 
pretty similar to racist people and how they talk about oh so eric like lives down the street from me (laughs) he might right yeah but there has been a lot of backlash and people saying first of all that the content warning was not adequate which to be honest i was shocked that there was a content warning at all I've never come across a content warning like that. I've only seen the ESRB ratings, which tend to say like, oh, it contains things like either gore or nudity or swearing or whatever. So again, like I was pleasantly surprised, but okay. I mean, a content warning, I think is easy enough to beef up because you're just changing language. And and Kit Fox has said that they're going to update the warning to make it more clear. The one that I found especially appalling is that there were calls for them to remove that content entirely. That's ridiculous. I right? mean, I understand that people want to protect, like especially if children or teens are playing this. But I mean, how is that any different than Grand Theft Auto that came out like 20 years ago or whenever? And the things right. you can do there, you can kill people, rape people, you can like burn things and run over people. It's just, I mean, how is that? And this is is so much gentler than all of that. And honestly, like, if you took him out of the game, he's the main, he is the villain. Like, how, what? Yeah. And there were even people that were harassing the guy who did the voice acting for the villain, which is so sad. And so I just wonder, it sparked a conversation, and this is where I'd love to get a take from you about why is it that indie creators or smaller studios or and this is true in other spaces as well right tv film writing why is it that creators with less power that are catering to queer audiences get held to a higher standard than mainstream creators do you have any any thoughts on that i think it's a form of bullying And I think smaller is a lot easier to, they're more accessible. And if you're going to like, you know, bring something up, it's kind of like bullying. You know, you bully the Mm -hmm. little person and, you know, you don't want to bully the giant because you're going to get crushed. So maybe it's, maybe it's just like people need to pick on things and they go with the smaller because it's easier. They're more attainable. They're, Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking because that's how I see it. Yeah, I th- I think it's definitely possible, and I don't, I don't, and maybe because it's queer. Well, and it's queer people who are who are making the calls for it often as well. It makes me think about Happiest Season, which I haven't seen yet, and I will, I will see it. Yes, for yes, reasons. We've about this. We're going. We're not going <laughs> to announce the reasons yet, but I will see it for reasons. Yes, for reasons, people who have been paying attention to this feed might. Be able to know figure what it that out means. by looking it's at the last code. couple of episode names. <laughs> but I, it just reminds me a little bit of the conversation that happened around that because I know a lot of people found it incredibly problematic because of the way the one girlfriend treats the other girlfriend or lets her family treat her. I can't remember any oh, of yeah. the names. Yes. <laughs> but basically, how Kristen Stewart's character is treated. It, there were a lot of people that were like, know that there was like gaslighting and abuse and she should probably leave her girlfriend and then there were a lot of other people that were saying but we should celebrate this because how else are we going to get more queer content and i feel like that's almost the opposite reaction to what's happened with boyfriend dungeon do you know what i mean it's it's like this and i think it is what you say like there there is that level of accessibility like well you're small 
So you're going to see my email right. or you're going to see, see my, my tweets. Tweeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Raging at night. Yes. Well, I recommend Boyfriend Dungeon. The reason it's not an official recommendation for me is that, to be honest, I found a couple of the people that you can date in the game um, kind of boring. <laughs> so, like, like life. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's not... Which is also fine, like, and also if right. anybody from Kit Fox is listening. Overall, I really did love and enjoy the game. I do recommend it just because there were a couple of characters that didn't do it for me. It doesn't mean that they don't do it for other people, right. and that's fine. And so I think, you know, if you're if you're looking for a fairly short game to play, it's, uh, I think it's about eight hours. And honestly, I've, I've played it through twice now. So I enjoyed it enough to play it again. Nice. Yeah. Go get it. Well, Chris, what mm. is your recommendation this week? Ooh. Okay, so I have a little story to tell before I just go on out and say what I'm recommending this week. So here's a childhood secret. Mm-hmm. So when I was little, mm-hmm. I really thought that I had special blood. Okay. So here's why. I never caught any childhood diseases. Uh, measles, mumps, chicken pox, never. My, my sister had them all. And so the doctors back in the day would say, put your children in the same bed, let them sleep together so they both catch it. And so that's what my mom did. Mm-hmm. So, and I never caught anything. I never caught anything. Wow. So I was thinking, you know, I wonder if, I was like, am I special? <laughs> I mean, I am, but, but I was thinking, yes. is my blood special? You know, and then it, and then like, it became about money. Like, maybe I could sell my blood. Maybe, you know, because, like, we were poor. Maybe my blood is, like. I love you. You know, and this is little me. So, yeah. you know, I was thinking, like, maybe I could sell it. But then wouldn't people want to kidnap me and, and want my blood? Because it's it's able to help people. Um, but then could I ever go to the grocery store again without fearing for my life? So these are things. Like, like this is in my head. Like, yeah episode you know four million eight hundred fourteen this is this is the episode that's in my head so when i saw the movie the old guard right which is a horrible name by the way um (laughs) available on netflix it's the name uh, of the comic i know but it doesn't mean it's good i'm just saying okay okay so uh it's 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 on netflix and it's directed by gina prince blythewood and i was all in because Mm -hmm. the the blurb the movie blurb plus Charlize Theron. I mean, come oh, on. stop right there. I mean, right. Talk, also, right. Charlize Theron's biceps, like all of her, <laughs> like all, all of her, oh, for sure. <laughs> I know. So, I mean, so when, so that movie reminded me of when I was a little kid, and I thought that my blood was special because. Mm-hmm. So here's the blurb. Here's the blurb. I'm gonna read it. Okay. A covert team of immortal mercenaries is suddenly exposed and must now fight to keep their identity a secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. Okay. So the immortal mercenaries, quote unquote, they look like regular people. You know, they don't look like the normal superheroes we see, you know, through the Avengers or whatever. They don't have costumes. They don't have alter egos. Andy is Charlize. Mm-hmm. She's the leader of this pack. There's there's a four pack. It's a four pack. Uh, Nikki and Joe are just normal dudes you'd see on the street and just be like, hey, what's up? You know, it's like nothing is special about them. They're just normal guys, but they're lovers. 
Like they're lovers. It's so adorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's another guy. Um, he goes by his name is Booker, but he also goes by Sebastian's. And those three guys plus uh, Charlize, they are the old guard, and they're only hundreds of years old. So I we know that Andy's the oldest, and we know she's thousands and thousands of years years old, but we don't know really how old. So I actually Googled it. I cheated. And she's like 6,700 and something years old. That's pretty old. So Age gap. <laughs> what? Age gap. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big age gap. So, you know, it's, it's so, you get, the, you get the queerness of the two main characters, the, the two guys that are in this group. And it's just so loving and sweet. And, and just how they work as a group. Um, they're just so smooth. They there's mm-hmm. so much respect and trust within their group. They just know what each other's going to do because they've been working for years, hundreds of years together. So, uh, so this is kind of how it starts off. You know, this a CIA agent gets in touch with Andy and actually gets in touch with the old guard and mm-hmm. tells them they need to go save a group of children in South Sudan. So mm-hmm. they they go and they're ambushed, and so. They get away, you know, because like the opening scene is like the first five minutes of this movie is like super action packed. It's amazing. It's I mean, if you're into action packed like I am, I love Mm -hmm. it. So they get out of it. They they I'm just going to say they get out of it. And so they go to find out who's behind this, like who ambushed them, why. So they want to find out why. Mm -hmm. So uh, it turns out the CIA agent, he made a deal with Big Pharma to capture the old guard and bring them in so they could use the blood, like figure out their DNA. Terrible. And he made that decision because he lost his wife. And he's thinking Uh, that Big Pharma is going to use it for good. And of course, they're not because (laughs) Big Pharma. No, has he heard of them? (laughs) Really? Hello? And so at the same time, you know, Andy's figuring out she's not healing as mm-hmm. as she used to. And they're not really immortal. Like, they become mortal without any warning. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting. That sort of happens. And at the same time, they're all getting visions of another immortal. Like, it's in their heads when they're, like, you know, kind of drifting off. And all of a sudden, they, like, wake up and, like, oh, I saw this person. And, you know, I see dog tags. And you're not quite sure who it is. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that there is a um, there's a Marine named Niall Freeman, mm-hmm. and she gets her throat slashed on a mission somewhere in, I don't know if it's Afghanistan, but heals immediately, and that freaks everybody out. I mean, her neck is slashed, she is dead, blood's pouring out, and then all of a sudden she's up and running, and there's nothing on her neck. And so people are freaked out by that. So then Andy goes in and kind of kidnaps her, you know, apparently yeah. everything I watch is back then. As you do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And said, look, I'm sorry, but this is your life now. We don't know why people are picked. You know, we don't know any of this. And Niall is like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I don't want to do this. And mm-hmm. Andy's like, I'm sorry, but this is your life now. You have to say goodbye to everybody you know. And, it, and so, and then you realize, like, like. Think about it. Like, if you are thousands of years old, how many times do you see people you love die? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So you can't have any contact with your family. You just have to move on and, mm-hmm. and live your life now. So they, I think that there are two main queer storylines. So we mm-hmm. have Nikki and Joe. That's real obvious and sweet. And they protect each other. And there's a scene where the henchmen of Big Pharma, you know, they're holding them down. And Joe says, here's a quote, 
All right. Quotes. I do. You know, they're just being mean guys. And so Mm -hmm. then he's like, he's not my boyfriend. He's more to me than you could ever dream. He's the moon when I am just in dark, when I'm lost in darkness. So, I mean, it's like this really heartfelt thing. And the guys are like, oh, okay. And so it's just, it's beautiful. And like, it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's celebrated. Their love is actually celebrated throughout the movie. And like, nobody really says anything negative about it. Mm -hmm. that's one relationship the other relationship is between andy and another immortal named quinn but here's what happens so like they have this this super close friendship and there's a scene you know the gals being pals (laughs) yeah immortal gals being pals that is a new bumper sticker so Andy whisper, you know, you see them, they're fighting together and they're like laughing and giggling. And there's a scene where Andy whispers in her ear. And you know, we don't really know for sure that there's a queer ship there. But my little gay heart says, yes, they mm-hmm. actually had an affair or a lovers or whatever. I'm pretty sure it's canon in the comics. Oh, is it canon? I'm pretty no. sure it is. Hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. I can text the I can text the comic expert. Okay. <laughs> and he can he'll probably text us back well uh at least i think quinn i mean i think i'm pronouncing it right but so they capture like i think it's like during witchcraft time when uh witches were big i don't know if it's 1600s i don't know when this time is but they capture them they say they're witches and they separate them and they put quinn in an iron maiden and drop her into the ocean mm-hmm she searches, Andy searches for her for centuries, but then gives up. And she kind of is having a conversation with Niall, and she's like, I never forgave myself for giving up. Mm-hmm. So, I recommend this because it is a low-key, genuine superhero movie where the heroes don't want to be recognized. You know, they're just good people out to help people. And I found out, I just found out that there's a sequel coming out. Yeah, This is amazing. I know, and I'm excited about that too. Well... I'm hoping that that's where that subtext about Andy and Quinn becomes text. Well, let me tell you something. So <laughs> you watch, you know, you're like, oh, that was a good movie, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, they show some of the credits and all of a sudden, boom, there's one of those secret scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a secret scene and uh, Quinn is back. Mm-hmm. She shows up in Sebastian slash Booker's apartment in Paris. And that was the end. So, you know. We'll find out for sure if and the maybe. relationship was smoochy-smoochy. Mm-hmm. And maybe Charlie's there and we'll make out with her in a future That's movie. what I'm hoping. <laughs> if not, I am always available, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can call Chris Bryant at Ooh, 1. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was my recommendation for this week. Or that is my recommendation. I love Old your recommendation. Star. It's Thanks. such a fun movie. Like a super, super fun movie. It and really is. you told me we were texting last night and you said that was what you chose. And I was simultaneously so happy that you chose it and so bummed out that I didn't have time to watch it again before this <laughs> because it's just that much fun. Like it was such a wonderful, unexpected surprise, I think. Right, right. And to have, you know, queer rep up front, main characters, big roles, mm-hmm. you know, they quote unquote die, but they come back several times. So, <laughs> right, know, if we're gonna kill off queer, you know, characters. At least uh, let them be able to come back, and so mm-hmm. they do several times. So. That is what we want. Give we the do. queers what we want, please, and exactly. thank you, Hollywood. 
So what about you, Tara? What is your recommendation for this week? Okay. So the reason why I could not watch The Old Guard last night is because I was finishing up my recommendation for this week. And this is a book that I learned about from Jamie Hunsacker when she sent in that list of FF romances with trans leads. And uh, she said it was the one uh, Fake It by Lily Seabrook. And you remember how she said, and there's this book coming out soon and I got a chance to beta read it and it's great. And I said, well, then I'm going to pre-order it. And then I forgot that I pre-ordered it. And then I got an email from Amazon that was like, hey, oh, here's this book you ordered. And I was like, oh, shit. Way to go past Tara. Thanks for doing me a solid. (laughs) And it's wonderful. Nice. So, yes, it is called Fake It by Lily Seabrook. And it is about, obviously, two women falling in love, as it's a lesbian romance. But it's about Avery, who, you know, she's opened her dream restaurant. It all takes place in this place called Port of Andrea. My only complaint about this book is that I don't know where in the world Port of Andrea is. I get that it's probably a fake place, but is it, is, is it American? Is it British? I don't know. I'm guessing it's one of those two. Maybe it's somewhere else in Europe. And I just don't know. Like, I don't know. And I want to know somebody. Tell me what country this is set in, please. (laughs) But Avery, you know, she really had a dream. She's worked in in kitchens previously. um, And it's kind of now is her time to have her own upscale restaurant. This is where she's wanted to have it. Um, She had moved there previously with a girlfriend and that relationship didn't work out. But, you know, she just really fell in love with the place. And that's where she wanted to, like, establish her her name uh, within the culinary world. But kind of right at the very opening, uh, this guy walks in and he's like a famous chef, Mike Wallace. And he basically says, hey, your place is pretty great here. But what if you sold it to me because I'm doing this new like restaurant collective thing? And she's like, wow, you're an asshole. Pound salt. Get the fuck out of my restaurant. Well, she doesn't. I mean, she doesn't say it quite like that, but she does end up telling him, um, I hope the butter because she gave him like some kind of some food. And she's like, I hope the butter gives you diarrhea. And I was like, yay, I like you already. And then we have our our other love interest, who is Holly Mason. She's a celebrity chef. She has a show, a TV show, where she basically goes in and helps restaurants uh, turn themselves around. But it's, you know, she's getting kind of bored and people are getting bored with her show. It's feeling kind of stale. And even worse, Mike Wallace, that same dickhead, is her ex-boyfriend. And he's been trying to make these backdoor deals with the folks that run the show to steal the show from her. He wants to be the host of the show. Yeah, that guy's a real fucking prick. And so <laughs> I'm very happy with what happens to him in the end. But Holly's agent, Tay, who is non-binary, has a solution because Tay hears about what happened with Avery. Um, because after Avery tells him to pound salt, there's a whole bunch of smear articles that come out. There's a whole bunch of like really shitty reviews and like really like just lies and stuff like that yeah and so tay notices that this is happening and she's like hey i have an idea what if you go take this restaurant and turn that one around like we'll cancel the restaurant you're set to do for this next season you'll come in and uh, into this one and holly's like okay but then the thing that tay doesn't tell holly or avery and avery 
has looked up to Holly forever, of course, right? Because this show has had like six seasons. Holly is gorgeous. Like, what more could you want? Um, But what Tay doesn't tell them is that she's going to put a story out to the media that they're dating. And so it's a fake relationship romance. And they end up quite liking each other and then realize they have some really good chemistry. And then it goes from like, okay, okay, so our relationship is fake. Neither of us really wants a relationship because Avery, you know, is still hurting from the end of her last relationship. And Holly just has like, I don't know, relationship issues or whatever. Um, But they say, but what if we were friends with benefits? Like, surely, surely we can just bang and that will be fine. But yeah, this is there are no emotions there. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. And then they make this strict like we only kiss when we're going to have sex, and it's like, well, they have a lot of sex. <laughs> Let me tell you. And it's you know where do they go from there? Can they actually keep it to just a friends with benefits thing? Can they take down this colossal dickhead? <laughs> like, what can they do um, about all that? And it's lovely. They are so freaking cute together holly in a lot of spots really reminds me of ted lasso roy kent's girlfriend uh keely keely yeah yeah for some reason like <laughs> there's really just parts of her that really remind the way she talks in some bits kind of remind me of keely and the way she like builds people up and how straightforward she is and all that so i kind of quite liked that and i guess she's my celebrity casting for there i don't have a celebrity casting for avery at this point But I liked seeing how they each built each other up in different ways. And the thing I forgot to mention about Avery, too, is that she's very much a fake it till you make it kind of person. And so she's very like power of positive thinking, positive self-talk all the time. And the people around her are like, what are you doing? Why are you saying this? Your restaurant is a shambles. And she's like, yeah, but it's going to be amazing. Like, I'm just going to put it out there and it's going to manifest and the universe is going to bring it back. And you know what? She is right. Nice. I'm not saying that I'm going to adopt that in every area of my life, but I love that she's right for herself. Now, like I said, this is a book where one of the leads is trans and that lead is Avery. And I think the thing that I really... I I enjoyed about it, and it's something that is mentioned in the author's note. And frankly, even if it had been a book about trans experience, I would have enjoyed that as well. But it is a book about a character who happens to be trans. Or, or, or it has a character who happens to be trans. Right. This is not a story about her trans experience. And I think the thing that I love about that is that there should be more romances like this. Right. Just as we've been saying that there should be more FF romances... With bi characters where it's no big deal that they're bi, absolutely should be the same where with trans characters, there should be more with ace characters. And I so loved, and it it was like, it wasn't just a mention it once kind of thing. Like we we did get a little bit more, like we got to learn about a little bit about her transitioning experience and what that was like for her. But like, it's a little bit of her character journey, but it's not all of what her character is about. And so... Yes, if you, first of all, if you like fake relationship stories, if you like uh, friends with benefit stories that fail spectacularly into love, (laughs) uh, if you like stories that are set in the restaurant world, if you are looking to find a romance with a trans lead in it, go get fake it. It's so freaking cute. I really, yeah, 
It it was such a delightful find. And also, if you like comeuppances for for bad dudes. Yes. Also good. Sounds excellent. So that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe, whatever your podcast listener is, just so that you get notified whenever we have new episodes. If you have a friend that you think would like this show, please also tell them about it because who wouldn't love to get more good queer content recommendations in their ears? Exactly. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, just look for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. We did it. Fuck. (laughs) Fuck that. Okay.